You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you go with me to the book of 2 Peter? 2 Peter chapter number 3, verses 3 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 3 through 9. It's a familiar text to you, a familiar text to the church. the last letter of Peter, starting in verse number 3, chapter 3 and verse number 3, the Bible says, knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For they, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved... Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us were not willing that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we'll read that verse one more time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this morning, I know we have needs, but I've got to follow what I feel the Lord has dropped in my spirit, and I want to minister from verse number 9, the will of God for man. The will of God for man. Now, I know that that is a large subject, and if we're looking for my individual will that God has for me, well, uh, the number first and foremost is that, that you are saved. And let me just say this, if you're not, if you don't know Jesus, nothing else matters. And so let's talk about it this morning and see what the scripture has to say. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you today. And I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. And I thank you for the opportunity one more time to stand before you, God, and to, God, to preach, to teach your already anointed word. I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would do something that I cannot do, and that is to move upon the hearts and lives of every individual that is here. Lord, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and Lord, anoint my lips to deliver and to rightly divide this great word of truth. And Lord, I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. That will never, I want to try to teach a little, try to preach a little, and so... Uh, let me begin this way. There will never be a more crucial message than the message of salvation. You know, I've watched sometimes as the demeanor, or uh, I don't know if that's, I'm not even sure that's what that means, but I'm going to use it. Sounds good. Demeanor. 
of a church will kind of change when, when, when the preacher is preaching on salvation because majority in the church, and well, we hope majority in the church, already knows that they're born again. And so we kind of, well, this message ain't for me because I am born again. But listen, if you're born again this morning, quietly in your spirit, you should be praying throughout this message because there may be somebody here that does not know if they are born again. This is not a message to turn a deaf ear to. It's a message to pay very close attention to because even if you are convinced, it's always a great time to allow the Holy Spirit to inspect our own heart. And so there'll never be a more crucial message than the message of salvation. And that message has been distorted by the church as a whole. The church as a whole is divided, and though the majority of the church is together, much of the church has distorted the message of salvation in in regards of how that you are saved. Some will preach and teach that you're not saved unless you speak in other tongues, and that's not biblical. Some will preach and teach that you're not saved unless you're a member of their church, and that's not in the Scripture. Some will preach and teach that you're not saved unless you're baptized into water, and we believe in that, but that doesn't save you. We're going to do water baptism tonight, but there's no, listen, I know on TV sometimes they sell holy water, but it ain't that holy. It's not holy enough to wash away sins. Some preach and teach other messages and other ways. Some is held on to the law. If you don't do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, then you are, are not saved. I had a phone call yesterday from, from, uh, that was similar to that, trying to convince me that I need to preach and teach sinless perfection and preach and teach sinless perfection. I said, sir, I can't preach something that I'm not. I'm not being made perfect yet. I, 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 I got up and fixed my hair and got, took a shower, but I don't have a glorified body this morning. And until the day we take our last breath, there will always be something in us that needs to be changed, and there will always be a need for me to be reliant upon Jesus Christ to change whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is telling me that needs to be changed. But when we look at salvation and biblical salvation, we we understand that it's a vital part of the church. We can't lay it aside. I didn't come this morning just to make you to say things to make you feel good. And a lot of times when we're preaching in repentance, people will say, well, that didn't make me feel good. Listen, you don't know feel good until the Holy Spirit has convicted you and convinced you that you are a sinner and you repent and make things right with the Lord. You don't know a good feeling until you know that you are right with Jesus Christ. That's feeling good. And so we got to look into it and we got we to check it because the main purpose of the church is to be built up. Listen, you need to come to the house of God. No, I'm not putting you under law. You need to be in the house of the Lord where you can hear the truth and your faith is built up in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. You need to be here so that you can be encouraged and take advantage of the gifts of the preachers and teachers that are there and anointed to give you revelation in the Word of God. You need to be in the house of the Lord if you can be where you can hear the truth. That is one reason that we need to be there is to be built up in the faith. But the other reason that you need to take advantage of your local body and your home church is it ought to be a church where you can bring the sinner, the lowliest of sinners, those that are broken, those that are hurting, those that are bound. You ought to be have a church where you can bring those type of people to hear the gospel 
gospel of Jesus Christ and to be changed by the power of God. If this is not a church where you can bring anybody and everybody, I'm the pastor. And I'll tell you to go somewhere else. You need to be at a church where you can bring anybody and everybody. And they will embrace them and they will love them regardless of their skin color, regardless of their, what they smell like or what they've dressed like. Listen, uh, when the gospel says, whosoever will let them come, you need to know that Jesus went to the adulterer, to those that were bleeding. Uh, he went to the one that was, uh, uh, that was uh, least by leper. He went to those that were sick and dying. We can't pick out the pretty. We can't pick out the tall. We have to go to whosoever will. Let them come. Whosoever will. And I mean everybody. I mean everybody. Now, we can't forget that you don't go to heaven. You don't receive eternal life. Or Let me back up. I said that wrong. You can go to heaven. You can have eternal life if you are struggling and in a trial today. You can go to heaven if you're sick and the doctors give you a bad report. You can go to heaven if your marriage is not right. You can go to heaven, and I say that carefully, but you can go to heaven if, you, if, if your children are troubled. But we can't go if we've not accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. A great thought to me that I have shared before, and, and I want to share it this morning to give you something to think about. I want you to think about this. Revelation tells us about a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. He said those whose names are not found in that book, those whose names are not found in that book, they will not receive eternal life. They will be cast out. I want you to think about that. That's the book that has the record. That's it. Anybody seen in that book? Has anybody peeked in that book? No. Because until Christ, there was nobody that was even worthy to open. So I want to ask you this morning. Because in the natural, if I want to see something, I want to, I want to open the book and I want to look. And we can't. Do it in the natural. So I just want to ask you a question, food for thought. You've never looked in that book. I've never looked in that book. So how do you know your name's in that book? How do you know that your name is in that book? If you've never authored a book, if you've never have a great title, that none of that matters. What matters is that our name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I'll answer that. How do I know my name is in that book? Because from my heart, I have... Given I have had faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, which is the biblical way. Romans 4 and 5 teaches us that we are justified by our faith. It means that you can be declared not guilty this morning. Am I, the, I hope I'm not alone this morning when I can say that I have been guilty of sin. So i got to be declared not guilty of sin. And justified means to be just if I've never sinned. It means to be declared not guilty of sin. And it gives us, and I'm going to get back to my text, but it gives us that courtroom type setting. Literally, listen, in, in, God's, in God's arena of life, there is a courtroom. There is a courtroom of judgment. And God is the righteous judge that sits upon that throne. He is the one that declares us guilty or not guilty of everything. Everything and anything that we've ever done in that life. 
And so Romans 4 and 5 teaches, teaches us this. You can walk into heaven's courtroom and you can take your judgment right now. And if you'll place your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, you don't got to go in there and worry about a jury. You don't got to go in there and worry about an argument. You don't got to go in there, and I mean this kindly, and worry about an unfair or biased judge. You can walk in there and stand before one that is righteous and judge and knows everything. And the moment you place your faith in Jesus, you can walk out with not guilty stamped upon your life, name in the Lamb's book of life, on my way to heaven, according to what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. Listen, His courtroom's open. You can go in this morning, and you can walk out knowing that you've got a not guilty verdict, and your name is in the Lamb's book of life. Now, in this text, I, I'm not really good at three points in a theme type deal, but I'm going to point out three things here that I want you to look at in regards to the characteristics of God. Can we bring up verse 9 one more time? First of all, I want to bring out the fact that God is long-suffering. By def definition, it means He's patient. He's patient. He is what I am not. He is patient. How many are glad God's patient with you? Amen. Amen. He's been patient. He's been, he allows us to go through the struggle. He allows us uh, to, con, to uh, work out what we are working out in our heart and in our life. The Lord is not slack concerning. I'll get back to that. But in regards to long-suffering, He's patient. He is enduring. Uh, it, it means to continue to endure in a time of trouble. The example that Peter had taken uh, us back as, as the reader, he's taken us back to the beginning of creation. If we went back again to verse number 3, and he reminded them of how merciful that God has been with mankind since the very beginning. Listen, I want you to know, God is a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy. We walked in, I don't know if everybody said, I'm going to tell it anyway. If they wasn't so close, I wouldn't tell it. We walked in Monday morning when Stacy Owens was in the hospital, and I, I was telling Brother Troy, I said, I'm going back. There. I've got to go back. There. I don't know what you got to do or what's got to happen. I'll dress like a nurse if I have to, but I, I want to go back there. And when we went back there and we seen her on the his life support up on the vent, I hope I don't ever see that again. And I seen her there, and I was just broke, and Brother Troy was broken. And, and it just, I thought, man, and when I walked her walk up this morning to the, to the front for prayer, I had to tell her, I said, you know, when I seen you walk up, the first thing I thought was how merciful God is. Because when you're in a position, you're helpless. In a position where you're hopeless and there's nothing you could do. Her husband could do nothing at that point. There was nothing I could do at that point. Sister Becky was in there and there was nothing that she could do. If we could, we would have got up, we would have went home and she would have been healthy and everything been fine. But we're standing there helpless and hopeless. And when she walked up this morning, I thought, look at the mercy of God. I'm reminded of how fragile that life really is. I'm reminded of how good that God really is. And when I'm thinking the mercy of God, the mercy of God, the mercy of God. Listen, when it comes to our salvation, we stand at the mercy of God. But you need to know He is a merciful God. The reason you're still here this morning and some of us shouldn't be here this morning is because God has had mercy upon our life. He's had mercy. That's not grace. That's not grace. It's two different terms. He had mercy. In other words, when mercy means this. I didn't get what I deserved. 
You didn't get what you deserved. He allowed me a pass. He allowed me to pass go and collect $200. Listen, I'm here because of the mercy of God. Now, we look at Peter taking them back. He's saying God has been merciful. He said there would be a voice of a scoffer. The voice of the scoffer is a false prophet. And all he's doing is saying he's not coming. Has anybody heard that? You've heard he's coming all your life. Jesus is not coming. Okay, well, if you've not heard that, there's people that say that. He's not coming. He's not coming. You've heard it all your life, and Jesus is still not here. And Peter is telling them, listen, I don't care what the false prophet is saying. I know I'm putting it in my own words. But he's saying, I don't care what the false prophet is saying. We go all the way back to the very beginning. And everything that God has said and everything God said would be has already come to pass. He hasn't lied yet. He hadn't failed yet. He's not slack concerning his promises. And they were saying this. Yes, but it's been so long. It's been so long. And then in verse number 8, he says this, look, one day is as a thousand years. Now, let me tell you this. Don't try to get into some big, great revelation like some people do. All that means is this. Time does not weaken the promise of God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because somebody has been trusting God for a long time for something in their life. I want you to know time has not weakened or lessened the promise of God. I don't, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know why he hadn't met your need yet. I don't know why he hadn't moved yet. I don't know why he hadn't done what you're asking. I don't know. Three words you're going to hear me repeat a lot. But what I do know is, is that God is a God of perfect timing. And the time that we've waited has not made his promise any weaker any weakened at all his promise stands sure and his promises stand true today Mm, i wish that was my message verse number eight time never destroys or weakens the voice of god and when he took them back i wouldn't stay with long suffering man fell in the garden i'll hurry through it but man fell in the garden and and god was not satisfied with them being separated in relationship You know why God has waited as long as what he did to bring Jesus? Because he's being long-suffering with man. The law couldn't. You may try to live by law. Let me just tell you something. You may try to live by law. You may be the first one outside of Christ that lives perfect to the law. But the law cannot produce righteousness. So it did you no good. It doesn't produce righteousness. It's not, that's not the point. The law was there for 4,000 years just to show me and you, hard-headed men and women, that we within ourselves cannot save ourselves. That all have sinned and came short of the glory of God. And so he spent 4,000 years doing that uh, and dealing with the unrighteousness of man and pointing them to a sacrifice, a yearly sacrifice. He's saying, look, the law's here to show you you're a sinner. The sacrifice is here to show you by what means I will take away the sins of mankind. You're a sinner, but I'm going to take it away. You're a sinner, but I will cleanse it. You're a sinner, but I have made a sacrifice that will bring you back in relationship that's what he's doing Mm. he brought us Christ he fulfilled the salvation plan of God I love the old song by the Magruder's the blood-bought song and Priscilla sings a verse in there that says God's idea for salvation his idea is for that was God's idea not mine think about that 
It wasn't me coming to God first because I seen that I was hopeless. It was God coming to me first because he knew I was lost. It was God's idea, not mine. And God came and he sent Jesus. And now we're looking at 2,000 years of men accepting and rejecting because God has been long-suffering. He's been patient with all of mankind. And I know, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a wrong way. If you don't understand what I'm about to say, then come ask me later. And I want to I clarify it. But I want to tell you this. I know we're believing and we're looking for the coming of the Lord. Don't think that I'm not looking for the coming of the Lord and excited about it. But I'm also, I'm also thankful that I'm still here to be able to preach and to teach salvation to those that are lost. As long as God is long-suffering and as God, long as God allows it. The more we preach, the more that can be saved and the more uh, that the gospel will have an effect on this world. Paul would say, for me to live is Christ, the will of Christ, but to die is gain. But as long as I'm here, I will preach the gospel that somebody will get saved and give their heart to Jesus. Now, biblical example. That's a biblical example of being long-suffering. But let me ask you this question and I'll move to my second part here. On a personal note, how patient has God been with you? How long-suffering has God been with you? It's not been God's fault. It's not been God's fault. God's waiting for you to submit in the area of God's waiting. For you to give your heart to Him. If God is standing here saying, Hey, if you'll displace faith back in me, I'll, I'll do what you're asking. How patient. Let me tell you this morning, God has been a lot better to me than what I've been to Him. A whole lot better to me than what I've been to Him. He's been long-suffering with me on an individual note. The next thing that I want to bring to you in this Scripture is the first part of the will of God. And that is what God's not willing. In regards to His will, He's not willing that any would perish. I won't spend as much time on these, but I want to bring this out. It speaks of His full intent. He's not willing, watch this, that any would perish. That's the white man, the black man, the Asian man, the African. It doesn't make any difference who you are, how much money you have, your bondage. The Lord is not willing that any would perish. The word perish there means to be destroyed. The number one will of God for fallen man, and we go back and we look at this. Watch this. What's his will for you and for your life? You're lost, you're confused, don't know where to turn and where to go. I can't unfold everything for you, but I can tell you your first step is to turn to Jesus. Because His number one will for your life is to bring us back into relationship with Him. And we look back in the garden, we see that's what we lost. Is that When we look at the big picture, we see that we lost that relationship with God. In Ephesians 1 and verse number 5, and it's mispreached a lot, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. His will. Look, we are predestined. His will for us is his plan for us is predestined. It's not, it doesn't mean what some people preach and teach that some are born to go to heaven and some are born to go to hell. That, that completely causes a, a friction in regards to whosoever will. But your, the, your plan for your life is predestined. He predestined us. He meant for all of us to come back into relationship with Him from the very beginning. He predestined us. The big picture is this. 
when we fell in the garden, we partook of the forbidden fruit. I say we because Adam represented us. Sin entered. And when sin entered, it built a wall and separated me from God. Come here, Pastor Brian. It separated. We were walking in the cool of the garden every single day, but the moment that sin came in, it went and it separated us. And the Lord standing in a place of righteousness and man standing in a place of sin, God had, we dealt with it a little bit Wednesday night, God had to close this gap. And the way that he had to close this gap is I'm in a place of death because sin brings death and he's in a place of life is that he had to extend life to me. This is salvation. And the way that he would extend life to me is for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Here he is. He came from heaven and he stepped down to where we're at in sinful earth. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, not do cartwheels and not be perfect and everything, whosoever would believe in him, watch this, would not perish for God is not willing that any would perish for whosoever would believe. They would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God was doing. The big picture is sin separated us. God sent Christ in Christ was life in me was death and he brought me back nigh unto him with his son Jesus he traded my death sentence for eternal life through what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary not willing that any would perish and here's the third thing that I want to bring to you the second part of his will but that all should come to repentance now all, little word, but it's got a big meaning, all. You know what that means? That means me and you. I, I, I'm going to be a little bit selfish, I guess, and I'm going to say this, but I'm glad Jesus died for you, but I'm more glad he died for me. It's personal. It's me. He died for me, and you can make it personal. You know, if you were the only one that was here, he would have stepped out of heaven and gave his life to save his relationship with you? Yes. He's not a respecter of persons. Why? Why is it that all would come to repentance? Because all have sinned. All come to repentance because all, look, there's a need for all of us to come to repentance because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God doesn't leave anybody out. He hadn't left me out. He hadn't left you out. And he hasn't left your family out. And this is going to, Oh, maybe cause you to raise an eyebrow, but he hadn't left the town drunk out. He hadn't left the guy that we will, let me say, because it's really not right to say it like that, but I mentioned it a few weeks ago, the guy that we would just say, oh, he's just an old crackhead. Well, he may be bound by drugs, but he's still a creation that God created, and he's got a soul. And we have been very unpolite against God's creation. I said we. I'm cutting at the front of the line. God died for him also. To repent means to make a reversal. It means to make a reversal. It means to turn from my own way that is bound by sin and turn my life to Jesus. It means I was headed in the way of the world and all of a sudden I repent and I'm making a about face and now I'm following after the Lord. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. My standing is perfect, 
But my condition still needs to be changed. But I have made a reversal and my desire is to please the Lord. To repent means to make that reversal. And because of the will of God and because it was carried out by the plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, anybody and everybody can be free and be saved from anything and everything. When they crucified Christ, would you come, Jim? When they crucified Jesus, they took him up on Calvary's hill, the place of the skull, and stood there. Can I get two of you guys to help me one more time? One of you stand right here, and one of you stand right here, please. These men were already here. You had two thieves that were already up there hanging on a cross. And they brought Jesus up. And it wasn't by coincidence. They didn't hang him over here. They didn't hang him off to the side. But they took him. They didn't know what they were doing. But they put him right between the two thieves. Now Matthew's gospel said that at one point both of these thieves were cursing and mocking Jesus. But at some point, according to the book of Luke, there was one of them that got to thinking about it. And the Lord began to move upon his heart. And he said, you know what? In his heart, in his mind, I'm just imagining, you know what? I believe he is the king of kings. And he says, Lord, will you remember me this day in paradise? Will you just remember me? And Jesus didn't look over at him and say, well, how much did you steal? Yo, what's your name? He didn't interview him. He looked at him and he said, this day, you shall be with me. <laughs> in paradise watch this there was one that was saying remember me that was begging to be forgiven and there was the other one that was saying if you're really the king why don't you save yourself do you see what we have we have one asking for forgiveness and we have another one that is staying in his place of condemnation and I believe it's a good picture for the world to see because there's nowhere else that you can stand. There's no other position. You will either stay in a place of condemnation or you will get, uh, bring yourself to a place where I say, Lord, remember me. And the reason that you can say remember me is because he's not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. Would you stand with me? Thank you. I go back to my question, and I'm going to quit with this. There's a big book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. To those whose name are found in it, 
is eternal life. But those whose name is not found in it will be cast into eternal darkness. If I, because it's in my heart, go back to John 3, 17. God did not send Jesus to this world to condemn you. He never meant for a man to stand on the cross and be condemned. That's not why he came. He came that the world through him might be saved. And we will stand in the place of condemnation. And we will stand begging clemency and saying, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. You can't look in the book. You can't look in the book. But you can enter heaven's courtroom this morning. You can be like the publican and say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. These altars are not a place of shame. They're not a place where we should feel awe. You know what? I'm about to give an altar call, and here's what's going to happen. The greatest spiritual battle that you will ever enter into is about to happen. Everything about the enemy of your soul and everything about yourself is saying, do not go and give your heart and life to Jesus. Don't walk up there and let them people see you. But the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and saying, if you'll just come, I will justify you. Your name will be in the Lamb's book of life. You will walk out justified and holy before me today. The greatest battle that ever would take place in a man's heart will happen right now when I give this altar call. Pastors, would you come? We'll make the first move. Can I get some ladies? Sister Melissa, help me. Sister Megan, help me. Becky, would you help me this morning? I want you to bow your head. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We have preached, we have taught your will, God. That none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus that there would be those that would search their heart right now. Allow you to search their heart. As we enter into Kevin's courtroom knowing that it's open, I pray this morning that somebody that's not sure where they stand with you would make their way, God, to a place that they would call out to you and to make sure that their name is in the Lamb's book of life. There is nothing more serious that we have going on in our life. God, nothing else matters if we get this wrong. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would draw, that you would pull this morning and you would do what you do in the name of Jesus Christ. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you're here, you say, I'm not sure if my name's in that book. I'm just not sure this morning, but I want to make sure Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Thank you, God, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, for that hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand and this hand. Thank you, God, for this hand this morning. Thank you, Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody else would slip their hand up and say, I can't look in it. I can't peek in it. But I want to know before I leave that my name is in that book this morning. Would you slip your hand up and put it right back down real quickly, real quickly this morning. All right, here's what I want to do. And you're not going to be alone because we're going to have others to come with you this morning. But if you're here and you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand. You say, I just want prayer. We're not, this is the most unjudgmental church. We're not here to judge. We're not here to try to figure out anything. We're here to pray for you. 
Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you just want prayer this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to win that battle that's going on in your heart right now. To get out from your seat. Those that raised their hand and those that didn't. Get out of your seat and make your way and let us pray for you this morning. That's why we came today. This is the sole purpose, sole reason. We came to pray for people this morning. Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come this morning? Come on, somebody else. Battle's raging, but you can win right now. Come on, would you come? Jennifer, will you help us? Come on, would you come? Come on, would you come right now? Would you come? The battle's going on, but you don't got to succumb to it. Would you step out from where you're at and make your way down? Come on, would you come this morning? Would you come? The Lord's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Can I have some people to help us work the altar? Come find yourself somebody to pray with this morning. It's a good time to pray. It's a good time to call upon the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Born again. We must be born again. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just my way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're guilty. Think about it. Nothing more important. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, but that's when mercy walked in. Hey, it's a good time. If you need prayer and didn't come all ago, you can come right now. Mercy we to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Read in my case. right now. Hallelujah. So you can still come this morning. We're not in a hurry. Think about it.
it with him one more time. Mercy, one. Aren't you glad of mercy this morning? And pleading. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today, God. Call to, Call to the stairs. Father, we ask you today for those that have given their heart to you, Lord, that have placed their faith in Jesus and what you've done on the cross of Calvary. We ask today that you would give them a great hunger and a great desire to serve you and to be what you've called them to be. We pray that you would protect them, keep your hand up on them, and Lord, maybe for that one that didn't come this morning, that I know that you're dealing with their heart. because you're... If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.